Welcome to episode 11, my conversation with Max from Scotland. This is the Straight Up Gay Podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm Major, your host for the Straight Up Gay Podcast, where we have conversations with people about their experiences related to the LGBTQ community. This podcast is dedicated to learning more about LGBTQ people by having personal conversations and sharing their experiences. Keep in mind, this show is free of cursing, but we may have conversations about human sexuality and topics related to sex and gender that may result in awkward questions from young children. If you're not prepared to answer those questions, turn back now. Today is February 19th, 2017, and I am speaking with Max Max is a young man from England. He is of the ripe age of 33. Uh, he was born in England, but he currently lives in Scotland, and he is a female-to-male trans man. He works in finance, and uh, I'm really excited to get to know more about Max, and so thanks for being here, Max. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks. So we're just excited to get to know more about you, and so please, I gave a brief interview. Just give us a little more detail about your life. Uh, tell us, you know, are you um, doing anything new these days? Are you working on anything new? Tell us about what it's like to be an LGBT person in Scotland. It's a good question. It's a very good question. I think uh, it depends a little bit on your listenership, but I think one of the, the big things about being specifically a trans person in Scotland is that we have the NHS. So uh, the NHS, which I'm a huge and fantastic advocate of, I, I love our National Health Service, uh, means that I do not, I'm very lucky and I don't have necessarily the same struggles to go through as trans people in the US and other countries that don't have nationalised healthcare of any kind. But it does still present its own special, uh, its own special array of challenges, because while it's free, there are still massive waiting times. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know, I think uh, it's... Uh, it's, I guess it's difficult to, to put a finger on. I don't know many other trans people. Uh, I live in uh, the city of Edinburgh, which is gorgeous and amazing, but it's uh, about only, I think, 500,000 people. Okay. So the like the LGBT community is actually quite small. So I don't know, like for me personally, it's kind of starkly ordinary, yeah. I guess. I think this is one of the things that people find a little bit surprising initially. Is that, yeah, you know, I'm a trans guy and, and gender transition and, and testosterone and all that stuff. But, you know, like I... Like I still like have to iron shirts and buy groceries and sometimes like I run out of coffee and <laughs> life just goes I <laughs> life just kind of goes on, you know? Yeah, so you're um, just a, a regular guy out there living his life like everyone else. Yeah, pretty much. That's All pretty right. Much so one of the first things I usually like to start with is maybe some a little more detailed information, you know. So are you religious at all? Are you single or married or dating or do you you, you have a full time job, so you know, how do your coworkers relate to you? Uh, do your coworkers know uh, stuff like that? So, if you could, maybe just are are you religious in any way? Do you follow any particular religion? I'm very definitely an atheist. Uh, I was raised very Christian, okay, uh, and like quite strictly Christian by quite strictly Christian parents. And at some point, I think like a lot of people who grow up in a quite a strictly religious environment, sometime around my teens, when I started asking more questions. I started considering the things that I'd been taught and how I how I felt about those and asking my own questions about them. I kind of I came away from I came away from Christianity on a on a permanent basis. And I, I'm kind of I guess I'm one of those atheists that's like if you if you have a belief and you have and you feel strongly about something, then you know, you do you. 
believe what you believe what you believe have the faith that you have and, and keep that in any way you so choose um as long as that doesn't impact the lives of the the innocent bystanders around you i guess that's my general feeling on it okay so think, you're like well, me you're you're an atheist and as long as people aren't using their religion to beat people over the head with you know being lgbt or yeah, yeah. or muslim or whatever their hang-ups are for their religion do you and I'll do me and we'll leave each other alone. We don't have to like what each other does, but um, we'll live in peace and, and, you know, let us each do our own thing. I, I'm a, I'm a big believer of, uh, you know, as long as whatever someone is doing, it isn't harming anyone else. Uh, you're feel free to do that, whether that's, you know, being a trans person and, and going through transition surgery or being gay or being Christian or being Muslim, Whatever it is, you can believe whatever crazy thing you want. You can do whatever crazy thing you want as long as it doesn't hurt other people. Absolutely. Did your journey to your transition, uh, I don't want to use transition because that's usually referred to your gender transition, but uh, uh-huh. to go to becoming an atheist, did that have to do anything at all with your gender transition or was that just something that uh, coincidentally happened as well? I think, uh, I mean, my... I guess that it's useful to, to to note from the start that I didn't figure out that I was trans until I was about 28, 29. Uh, like I didn't I didn't know that that transgender people existed at all until like maybe my late teens. Like I think by the time I went to university, I knew that that transgender women existed, but I didn't really understand exactly what that entailed. Like I, you know, when I, like growing up in the kind of environment I grew up with, I knew that there were some men who liked to wear dresses. And they were sick perverts and they were nothing to do with me. And then as I got older, obviously, I I stepped outside of that particular sphere of misunderstanding. And I didn't really find out that trans women as a real thing existed until maybe I was at college. And then after that, I discovered that trans men were also a thing. And that gave me a lot of food for thought. But it still didn't really thought might apply to me for quite a long time. But with my departure from religion, I think... I think in part it was that I was a really unhappy kid. Like I was really anxious and I was, I think, pretty depressed quite a lot of the time. And I, I don't know, like, like I think I'd had quite a simplified and strict version of Christianity imposed on me almost. And when I started questioning it, it pretty much fell apart. Like the whole idea that, you know, if you're good and you're a good person, good things will happen to you and bad people, well, they'll get their just desserts and like there's a right way and a wrong way to live and the people that live the wrong way, they're sinners and they're unhappy in their hearts, even if they don't show it. And I, I learned after a while that actually some of the people that were horrible, some horrible, horrible people were perfectly happy. Yeah. They, 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 were just, they were just fine with being awful human beings. But my efforts to try and live the best and most Christian life, I, I was one of those kids that doesn't really learn to lie until they're quite old, which is a terrible disadvantage. Like if, <laughs> yeah. you're, if you're six and you can't lie, then, you know, like the teacher comes back in the room and says, OK, like, who broke this chair? Who broke this chair? And all the other kids are sitting there, like, just gazing into the middle distance. And I just tell her immediately, because that was the right thing to do. Exactly. Um, And I think that my, I think my experience with Christianity just didn't work in the real world. Okay. Like, trying to, trying to be the perfect Christian child in my, in the view that I was brought up with is not possible. Yeah. It's a, it's an endless cycle of guilt and happiness. And I think after a while, I think as well, like, I, I realized that I, uh, I preferred women. That I was sexually attracted to women when I was about twelve or thirteen, and obviously, like that was a massive problem <laughs> yeah. when it came to Christianity. Um, 
and a couple of my my associates at school were also quite religious and I guess I, I kind of started thinking about the idea that well like if God made me and God made the world and this is just something that comes from like inside of me like it's it's no different to me uh you know like really liking cheese like I like girls yeah and I don't seem to like guys all that much sure. and like I really like cheese but I really don't like seafood like why would if God made me and everyone's telling me that God did why would he have made me in such a way that he can't love me or that I can't be loved? That's a very good like point. Why, like why? And I got, I, got, I got quite a tortured soul about this. I got quite angsty about it as a teen, I think. And after a while, you know, do you ever like run across a puzzle that you just can't solve? Yeah. And like you drive yourself nuts with it. You go, oh, Rubik's I Cube. Know. I can't solve a Rubik's Cube to save my life. <laughs> oh, man. No, those things. <laughs> I don't know what I meant to do with those things. They were great paperweight in my world. But like... <laughs> Like Christianity was kind of like that for me. Like there were all these different views and I couldn't find a way of marrying them together that made any sense with my understanding of the world. And I realized after a while that I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to reconcile that. I needed to move on from it and move away from it because it was only calming me. Yeah. So it's, it's funny that you bring up that um, you didn't know trans people existed. And then you meant, went on to mention that how you discovered it wasn't compatible and how could God love you or how could God make you and make the world and then make you in such a way that he can't love you because of the way he made you. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I live or I work in a pretty conservative work environment and I, and I carpool to work with a, with a bunch of my coworkers. Uh, we have a van, like a nine passenger van and, and it's pretty cool. So we actually got into this one day where there was someone ha- somehow brought it up. I don't, I, Usually it's me that brings it up, but I think this time it wasn't me that brought it up. But they asked about the current bathroom laws for transgender people that are being, you know, brought into existence, like in our state of North Carolina, where, you know, you're, they're saying trans people can't use the bathroom they identify with. They have to use the bathroom that they were born as. And so during that discussion, you know, I have to walk this line of, OK, I work in a pretty conservative environment, so I can't just be I can't vomit liberal ideas out without some sort of, you know, judgment from that. And so I have to be a little more Socratic about it. I brought up uh, what I thought was a really good point about people who are intersexed, who have both uh, or have ambiguous genitalia, right? They could be, when they're born, they are born with both a penis and a vagina. And I said, Mm -hmm. so how, what about in those cases when people have ambiguous genitalia, how do they determine what the sex is, right? Or how do they, right? So it's, it's, and that baby's not going to know until well into puberty whether or not it feels male or female. There was discussion around that, and it was quickly dismissed as, well, those are just you know minor, minor anomalies or, or something like that. But after the conversation had ended and we had reached our destination, one of my coworkers, who is religious but a very nice guy, he was opposed to that, but he is a Christian, and he, and he said that, well, you know, that's a good point. It never really occurred to me. If God made these people with both genitalia, then how can, you know, he damn them for the way that they were made? And so he's he was like, man, you really made me think about that. And that's all I was really wanting is is in that conversation for someone to think about the decisions that they reach, which affect other people. So using the bathroom as a trans person, for a trans person, it makes sense. But for cisgender people who are religious and think that that's some sort of sinish uh, sin or something that they shouldn't be doing, they haven't really been faced with questions that made them think about it. And so my point in that whole conversation was just to get them to think that, you know, maybe it's not so cut and dry and that maybe we need to be a little more 
thoughtful about the decisions we reach when it comes to making bathroom laws about sex and gender. And I think this is what, like one of the difficulties of the whole state of conversation around LGBT issues is that we are ultimately asking people to question the way that they understand the world to work. So like I run across a lot of people because I have a lot of conversations online about this and I run across a lot of people who are like, listen, it's really simple. Either you've got a penis or you've got a vagina and that makes you the gender that you are and that's the way it has to be. And that's all there is to it. And they want that to be the end of the conversation because they don't they don't want to challenge that. And understand that, like one of the first things that we're taught, I mean, the first thing that gets that, that we are told, the first thing that anyone knows about us when, when we come out of the womb is, is it a girl or a boy? It's the it's the very first thing that divides us into sections of different kinds of human beings. And to question that is terrifying to a lot of people because then they have to question everything else as well. Obviously, they don't. You can question whatever you like, but I think asking people to examine how they think about things, I think, is a lot more challenging than is given credit for a lot of the time. And I think it's one of the reasons why people are so hysterical, because basically, if you say to someone who is uh, who is a man, who is a very manly man, who was born a man and feels like a man and only wants to be a man, if you say, well, you know, some people who look just like you on the outside feel really, really different. Like it's possible to be someone like you, but to at the same time be one of these trans people that you find so terrifying and alien. And I think that asking people to question their understanding of the world also asks them to question their understanding of themselves. And then it becomes terrifying and they reject it. And then we have arguments. And Yeah, that's, oh, a, no. that's a really good point. I mean, you made a really cogent point about, you know, the first thing that happens when we're born is, is it a boy or a girl? And and those are pretty fundamental ideas that we learn even as really young people. And when someone learns of something that doesn't quite conform with what they've known their whole life, it is a little bit scary and a little bit terrifying and confusing. And humans are very fearful creatures when they face something that they don't understand. And so uh, I think that's a really good point and a good way to put it. And that's something to think about when you talk with people who don't quite understand. And, and hopefully that if we can remember that, that, you know, Hey, they're just trying to learn something that challenges their entire worldview of sex and gender. And that maybe we should give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt and try to hold back on some sort of insulting arguments, calling them dumb or ignorant or whatever. I think that's a good thing that we should keep in mind when, when we talk with people who aren't quite supportive of LGBT people, particularly uh, with trans uh, issues. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I was going to say that I think, uh, again, for me personally, I don't hate ignorance. Like I don't hold I don't hold any hatred in my heart for people who don't know enough about this topic to be able to have a conversation about it. What I resent is people who don't want to know enough about this topic to have a conversation about it. Right. They, I have no... they bury their head in the sand and la, yeah. la, 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 you can't tell me any different. Yeah. Like I, I hate, like I, I'm quite active on some forums online and I, I, I hate it when I see people come into a conversation and say, hi, I don't mean to be offensive, but I don't really understand this. And I have this question and people get really angry and they get really dismissive and you're using the wrong words here. And I try and like, my feeling is very much like, guys, no, 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 no. This is the opposite of what we should be doing. Right. This this person has come to us in a state of, of ignorance, in a state of realizing that they don't know enough about this topic. And they're asking us a question. Yeah. Why would you, That that's the perfect ideal. That's exactly what we want. We want the opportunity to be human beings to each other. 
and to have a conversation. Why would anyone shut that down? I find that very sad. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that when people come seeking answers that we should be accepting and, and try to provide them the, the, the best answers that we have at the time. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like your your religion and your current you know worldview isn't something that was really tied to your gender identity as far as being a trans person. It seemed like those were were separate occurrences that just happened to collide where religion and transgender people normally would have some sort of friction. So yeah. you said that you didn't discover you were a trans person until late in life, about your late twenties, early thirties. Uh -huh. So normally what I would ask people is what was your earliest understanding or realization that you wanted to live your life as the opposite gender or that you were living in the, you were, you feel like you're the wrong gender. I, I don't quite know how to express that feeling because I don't have it. And so because I, guess, you, I, mean, I would, I would phrase the question like, when did you know that something wasn't quite right? Yeah. Okay. So when did you know that something wasn't quite right? What was the <laughs> earliest experience that you had? I, I wish I could. I wish I had a really cut and dried answer for this, but I think like a lot of people, uh, like I'm, I'm told that I actually had very, very drunken conversations uh, with friends about having some kind of confusion about my gender, like as young as 19. But this would only happen when I was really, really drunk, and then I wouldn't remember it afterwards, and I wouldn't want to talk about it. But I think like I, I definitely knew when I was 11 or 12 that something was really, really wrong. Like uh, all of the other girls were kind of excited about like buying their first bras and you know kind of about growing breasts and I just found the whole thing really horrifying it was all really nightmarish and I I didn't I didn't understand why everyone else was enjoying this so much it was awful because yeah like I, I I think I remember I had a very clear memory of being maybe nine or ten years old and sex education in the UK is actually pretty good on the whole. If you're outside of the religious schools network, uh, it's quite it's quite carefully targeted. So when you're like nine or ten, uh, maybe ten or eleven at the end of uh, like primary, like elementary school, like all the girls got divided off from the boys, and the girls went to the library, and the boys went down to the the, the, the hall. And we watched a video, kind of laying out the basics of you know this is what pregnancy is and this is the the very basic fundamentals of what sex is and a, a little bit about like relationships and stuff and and I remember like the session coming to an end and everyone being a little bit shell-shocked uh, <laughs> we just had some very big some very big news delivered to us and I remember distinctly sitting there like you know cross-legged on on the carpet going okay right so um <clears throat> so you're telling me that the boys are going to get really tall and they're going to get like these awesome broad shoulders and they're going to be all muscular and they're going to have these like really cool deep voices and be able to grow a beard and and I'm sorry I'm going to do what every month for the rest of my life <laughs> oh yeah right <laughs> and and yeah just being in this to in this total state of like like excuse me this is not no one mentioned this could we just stop and have a conversation about it I don't think I want to do this uh, but it turns out you can't do that with puberty it happens to you anyway um and it's terrifying and confusing how you're not going through the right kind of puberty yeah so the the question I have now is let me take a moment and <clears throat> let me play devil's advocate so mm -hmm. because normally from the experiences that I've had when I talk to people they understand pretty early on that they are different and mm -hmm. it seems like you didn't you may have realized something was different about you but you didn't fully understand it till way late in life mm 
And so it, let me, I'm just going to play this um, okay. role of a religious person who doesn't accept the idea that you're born this way. Okay. And so what I would say is one of those people, I think, and I don't, I'm trying my best not to straw man a, a religious person's argument here, but it would, it would seem like that you are now choosing to live your life as a man instead of woman, because in some way it's more convenient for you. Or if I was a religious person, it would be sinful. And so you're just choosing a life of sin and rejecting God. There's any number of arguments that we could make here, but how would you address that? Because I haven't really come across anyone um, who like they have transitioned later in life, but they always knew quite early on. And it seems like you didn't quite know that until later in life. And so someone might take that example and say, well, see, he's choosing, he lived way past puberty as a girl and now he wants to be a man. And so now he just wants to be a sexual deviant or something like that. So how would you uh -huh. answer something like that? You see, I would, uh, I would in fact stay out the case precisely the opposite because in my case, so I knew from the time I was maybe 11 or 12 that something was very definitely wrong with the way in which I was a girl. As far as I could tell, like there was nothing very different about my body from other girls, but I didn't seem to respond to that in the same way. Uh, other people were excited about having breasts. I found it terrifying and traumatic. Other people were really excited about getting their first period. I could not, I, I still n will never understand that. It was nothing but uh, an uncomfortable disaster for me. Um, I found over the years that what I needed to do was I needed to hide. I didn't want anyone to know that I was this broken, strange person. So I didn't, I didn't want anyone around me to know that I didn't understand why having breasts was awful when no one else seemed to understand that. So I had to hide. Like I couldn't let other people know that this, there was something dreadfully wrong with me. Like I honestly, there were times when I thought maybe. I was just crazy. Like, maybe I'm just a fundamentally broken human being. Yeah. But there's something so wrong with me that nothing will ever fix it. So I had to hide. So uh, I think, like, through my teens, after I got past the awkward 14 age, because nothing good happens when you're 14. Right. <laughs> but after, like, after I got past that point, like, I, I really tried. Like, I really tried to be the kind of woman, the kind of girl that everyone else was being. So, you know, I had waist-length blonde hair for a while, for quite a long time. And, you know, I'd wear tops that showed showed off my body and I tried dressing different ways and I tried makeup and not makeup. And like, I was really goth for a while. Like I tried all different kinds of ways to be a woman. Like I really tried. I really made an effort. It was like I I didn't want to be a trans person. I knew that there was some mismatch. There was some massive discomfort with my gender. But even once I discovered that trans people existed, I didn't want to be that. People hate that. Why would I want to be that? Exactly. Why would I want to have put myself in an unacceptable class of human being to so many of the people around me? I mean, I got outed as a lesbian at school when I was about 14 and it was hell. Like it was actually hell. I was isolated and intensely bullied. Like my artwork was destroyed. My possessions were stolen and broken. I was followed home. I got a lot of abuse and stuff thrown at me. And that, um, and that was just because they thought you were a lesbian. Yeah, exactly. Right, you That's had... just because I liked girls, and at the time I was a girl. Like, yeah. I, this was nothing to do with trans stuff. Nobody knew that trans stuff existed at that point. This is like, you know, the 90s in Northern England. Right. Uh, <laughs> nothing was going on in the 90s in Northern England. Right, okay. Uh, and so I'd, I'd experienced exclusion, hatred, and prejudice. 
And there was no way that I wanted to go through that again, something that at that point I didn't even really understand. I mean, there wasn't a lot of information to mm-hmm. people, like even in like around the millennium. So let's see, I turned 18 in 2001 and they just like the Internet was not in the state that it is now. There wasn't stuff to read. It was hard finding anything out. So I put my heart and soul into being a woman because what else do you do? Right. Um, you were dealt this hand and, as a woman. And so you have to try and be exactly. I was I was under the impression that because as well, I heard the same narrative that you did that I thought when I first started hearing about trans people, they always knew. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't a lot of information out there about what trans people were. And I the information that I did get, I understood in the way that a lot of people have heard or know that they are trans from the time that they're tiny children. And I didn't. So I figured I couldn't possibly be a trans person. So I was still looking for the other explanation about what was wrong with me, about what the problem was, having kind of decided that I couldn't I couldn't possibly be trans because being trans is terrifying and difficult and made very little sense to me at the time so you know like I put 30 years into into being a girl and it was only after that failed and I could no longer keep pretending that I gave up and admitted that in fact yes indeed I am trans yeah so one of my previous guests who I think has maybe a similar story of uh, of yours her name was Allison and she was um, a mother of three kids and was born a man was mm-hmm. living as a mother or as a woman now. And I think her story is similar to yours is that she tried hard to live her life as what she thought she was, you know, I, I'm a man. And so I have to live my life this way and, and trying to meet, you know, society's ideals of what a man is. And yep. I think that your story kind of echoes that is that you realized early on that you were different in some way you maybe not fully aware of it but you tried to fit into what society expected you to be right you're you were born with female genitalia so you're supposed to live your life as a woman but because it doesn't feel right those ideas of your self-identity and your gender or your sexual organs that you were born with they don't quite match up you're you don't feel this way inside and so you try to live that way until you just it's like pushing a rock uphill, you know, that eventually you you can't push anymore and you just have to let it roll down and, and release that weight and say, you know, and admit, like you said, that, okay, I am in fact a trans person. So I, I think that sentiment can be echoed by many other trans people that uh, try to live according to society's ideals of what man and woman are. And I think that um, one of the big benefits of the internet, like you said, is that the information is out there now and people can discover it and see positive role models for trans people in the media and online and they don't have to be they don't have to feel like they have to stuff that down for so long uh like Mm -hmm. you and my other guests have so um i think that's definitely something that will improve over time and with the pervasiveness of the internet uh, we'll get better i think thank heavens for the internet thank thank al gore (laughs) (laughs) so okay so you were in your late 20s, early 30s when you started admitting to yourself that you were, in fact, a trans person. Yeah. When did you start to actually transition? Because if I may say, I don't want to I don't want this to be insulting, but your voice sounds pretty masculine. So it seems like you have already progressed pretty far in your transition in a fairly short amount of time. Um, uh, I, I've been on testosterone for nearly three years. So, yeah, you're getting the benefit of uh and already, I think my voice was maybe already kind of in the slightly lower end of the female register. Like I sang alto, 
Yeah. Uh, and I had a decent range. And it's, uh, I still had to remember if I'm nervous not to let it drift upwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, which is terrifyingly easy to do. But yeah, I think, so how did it go? I had been living with uh, the woman that I moved to Scotland with. And the relationship fell apart. And I, my like a, another useful way of distracting yourself from being a trans person is to have relationships with very, very needy people so that you are constantly looking after other people's needs and thinking about them. And you don't actually have to think a lot about yourself. And yeah, the relationship uh, came apart and I moved out. And if I'm honest, like the catalyst really for allowing myself to think about transition was that up until that point, I never really had I'd never really been stable. Like I left home at 18 to get out of my hometown and go to university and I moved to London, which is an amazing city, unless you're really, really broke. And I was really, really broke in London for years. So I was always maybe two or three weeks away from, you know, having to sell all my stuff and move home. And it was constant upheaval, like constantly, it was always something bigger that I needed to think about. So at 28, 29, for the first time ever, I was in a position where I had like a flat that I could afford to pay for, I had a stable job, I had this, I had a, a long-term partner at the time, and life was good, like life was good, but I was still really deeply unhappy with something. And actually having that stability and that time to investigate why I was so unhappy, it forced me to start looking at my gender. Yeah, Okay. And so you're obviously out about it now and you're pretty open. Mm. Uh, we spoke mm. a little bit before that we started recording here. So who did you come out to? Who did you speak to about this first? Like what was your first kind of, okay, I got to tell somebody, who am I going to tell? Did you come out to your parents? Did you come out to a close friend, um, a girlfriend or a boyfriend or anything like that? Like how was your first, you know, mm. conversation when you were going to tell someone, okay, I'm a trans person and I'm going to start transitioning. How did that go? It's funny, like the, the whole decision to to transition was really slow. Like, I think it's funny, there are stages to it. So there was a, t a point when I was still with my then girlfriend and like we've been having like issues on a personal level. And she like, I kind of had to say, look, I'm, I'm really unhappy with my body. And I think it's kind of a I think it's kind of a, like a gender thing. And I need to take some time to think about that. And for me, and it was deeply awkward because uh, like she and I had been having Kind of trouble in the bedroom for a while in part because uh, I was having a really bad time with my body and with all these these thoughts flying around in my head about my gender and her solution to the situation rather than kind of giving me some space and maybe talking it out with me uh, was to um, <laughs> go out and buy a cheap suit for herself like a men's suit and put it on and wait for me to get home from work uh, oh, because she, she she kind of viewed it as a sex thing yeah like she thought that like maybe I wanted to do some kind of gender play sex thing. Yeah. So uh, and it was awful. Like it was really, really awful. And I was really, really upset. Um, and she was really, really angry because she she thought she was doing something that I wanted uh, and she'd completely misunderstood. Um, yeah, and I'm sure it was a little embarrassing, right? You're trying to do something nice for the person you care about and you totally uh -huh. missed the mark and you know, they get upset. So now you're upset. And it, it was probably a little embarrassing too, because, you know, she put herself out there and, and it wasn't warmly accepted. So I can imagine that it was probably pretty awful for both of you. Yeah, she was really, really angry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I think I, after that point, like I have, I have some good and amazing friends and I, I kind of started talking to a couple of people about like, you know, I've been thinking a little bit about like my gender and, and about maybe making a change to that. And it was very, 
it's difficult to put it. I mean, people were, my friends and the people that I love were very kind and they were very patient because it's one of those things that like I wanted to talk about a lot, but I didn't really have anything constructive to say. It was all just a lot of kind of confusion and ideas and do I, don't I, and will I, won't I. I think, how did it go? I'd moved out on my own into a little flat and I ordered a chest binder online and I was I was being super secretive. Like I didn't want anyone in my building to know ordering this kind of thing off the internet uh and I was really really worried about it because I was also really really conscious that maybe I'm not trans maybe I'm embarrassing myself massively that's kind of another thing that goes through your head when you start exploring this stuff like right you're not like, you're unsure you... about what you're doing like is this the right thing yeah but also like what if I'm not a trans person and I'm telling everyone that I'm a trans person or no. that I might be a trans person what if it turns out that I'm not that'll be so embarrassing yeah so like you kind of you, you become incredibly self-conscious about everything to do with it sure. um but I think uh yeah I started once I'd kind of gotten my feet under me a little bit I, I started uh having conversations with like my, my my circle of friends about how you know, I was planning on changing my name, and with that, I was also going to be changing my gender pronouns, and I was going to go through transition, and people were across the board pretty great about that, actually. Um, like, some of them were really, really surprised. So, <clears throat> so you had this experience with your girlfriend, mm -hmm. and, and uh, you went and spoke with your friends, you ordered a chest binder. So what, now, real quick, what is a chest binder? Is it, is it basically just like an ace bandage or is it like a... Oh, it's, there, there's a whole world of chest binders out there for anyone that's never thought, wow, I wonder what chest binders are. Uh, and there are all kinds of shapes and sizes. Basically, uh, it is um, some manner of elasticated device that flattens your chest down enough. Uh, I like to wear kind of like a vest design that Velcros under one arm okay. uh, and tucks into my pants because... It's comfortable and it covers everything and, you know, it doesn't slip. Slippage okay. is a problem. Okay. Uh, but no, there are, there are lots of different kinds. Uh, for anyone out there that is quite curious, you should never use bandages. It's really, really bad. Okay. Uh, find a good binder and wear it and make it comfortable. Okay. All right. So I, I, I didn't know that they actually had a, a market of chest binders. So I was just curious. So. Oh, so many, so many. <laughs> so then, so who did you start speaking to about this first, right? Like you, you have decided, okay, I, okay, I'm pretty sure I'm a trans person. I need to tell someone who was that, that you spoke to first. Like you told them, I think I, I, I'm a man. Do you know, I can't remember. You don't remember? That's crazy. Was it one of those drunken events that you don't recall? <laughs> It was probably one of those drunken events. Or <laughs> okay. Uh, I think I think uh, it was actually it was probably the first proper semi-sober conversation I had about it. Uh, it was probably with the girl um, that I actually ended up going out with afterwards, and she had uh, one of her exes who had been a woman when they were together had later transitioned to uh, to be male. So she was kind of the only person around me that actually had a lot of understanding about it. Sure. Um, and that, or that I felt probably had a lot of understanding about it uh so yeah she was a really good sounding board just that i because there's always as well there's this like it's really hard when you're first figuring it out because people have a lot of questions but you don't really have any answers for them right and it makes it really hard to talk about it because you kind of just want to unload all these thoughts that you're having but people want to know well but wait like what does that mean and what does that mean for you and how are you going to do that you don't know yeah I, like you don't know you're just trying to 
figure it out. Sure. And I can understand that a little bit when I first discovered my, you know, or when I admitted my, I always say I admitted my atheism. I don't think that I ever really believed. I think I was kind of like a trans person in which, okay, people are believers. And so I have to be a believer. And so I would just do all the things that believers do. I would go to church and try to reconcile the problems I found in the Bible. And, and so but when I admitted my atheism, immediately I was just like, okay, I got to talk to somebody about this. I was like, eh, and mm-hmm. you know, and so I was online, on Reddit, on our atheism, you know, asking mm-hmm. questions, looking at conversations. And I think that's probably, you know, something similar that many trans people experience is, okay, I'm in this position. I need to find out more about it. And so they go to the internet and, and I have found as a straight person, if I want to know more about something, Reddit is usually a good place, particularly mm-hmm. in the the ask uh, subreddits if you want to ask LGBT or ask transgender or something like that. Um, Yeah, I I binged absolutely on ask ask transgender when I when I first started really looking at this as a viable. Yeah, I definitely as soon as I figured out this was a possibility, like I was all over Reddit. Uh, I was in every related uh, like ask transgender and trans timelines and trans passing and FTM and yeah, just kind of. What I really wanted, what I was really desperate for, was firstly an answer. I think you see a lot of people coming and saying, well, am I? Am I? And no one else can answer that. It's a a hiding for nothing, but you ask the question anyway. But also I wanted to know that other people felt like this. And that was the, the glorious like the glorious wonder of the internet is that you find the other people yeah. who feel who feel the way you do and have experienced the things that you experience. Yeah. One of my um, one of don't... my previous guests, Allison, the the mother of three that I was talking about, she said that something similar happened when she would go to she actually joined gr- like live groups where, you know, there's support groups that you go to some meeting place and there's other people there mm-hmm. with the same, you know, whatever the groups are, you know, they have veterans groups and trans groups and, mm-hmm. and LGBT. And when she went to these groups and she was hearing these people talk about the experiences and feelings that they had as a trans person, she said, that's exactly how I feel. That's exactly how I feel. And all of these things that other people were sharing were exactly how she felt. And there was validation there. There was community. And she felt a lot better about where she was when that happened. And I can imagine it's probably not as strong of a feeling when it happens online on Reddit when you, it's such a, a, a non-personal thing. But I can imagine that when you start, it was that way for me too, when I was on atheism or our atheism and they were like, Oh, here's the arguments against this and that. And I was just like, Oh man, that's exactly what I've been thinking for the, the longest time. And I can imagine for you or other trans people, when they finally get exposed to other people who have similar feelings and experiences as they do, it's, it's there's this excitement and validation like oh my god okay so i'm not the only one who feels like this it's an incredible relief yeah i think uh you spend you spend so because again like trans people are actually like per head of population pretty rare like you're you're unlikely to just bump into another one and, and know about it so like i don't know like a, in high school i was in a school of a thousand i was aware of one other gay kid while i was there but I still don't know, like, I, I don't know other people from my past have come out as trans. Uh, we're quite unusual, I guess, just by numbers. And when you actually finally come across some other people who have felt the same way you do and experienced the same things you have, it's this, it's a little bit like coming home. It's amazing. Like, you, you wander out there on your own for so long and then you, it's like, yeah, wandering into the embrace of uh, someone that you didn't even know that you were missing. It's sure. tremendous. Yeah, that's a good that's a good way to put it. I think that's a, a very um, apt description of what it feels like when you run into people who have these 
very similar intimate ideas about um, how you feel and your experiences that you do. And so I think that's a good way to put it. So you said also that you grew up pretty religious, and I imagine your parents are pretty religious. Is that right? Well, I didn't find out till later that my dad is religious. My mom doesn't really care. Okay. Uh, but they were very much kind of the, you know, present a united front kind of thing. And what, what dad says goes. So, sure. You're right. It was, a really, it was a religious household, even if my mom's not actually that excited about God. Yeah. Okay. Uh, are you out to your parents now? Yeah, yeah. I am. Um, like, I've never been close with them, which in a, a lot of ways I think probably helped because I find them, they're not bad people. I just find them very difficult to deal with, as I think a lot of us do with, with parents, whoever we are and, and whatever we're going through. Shout out to um, Will Smith. Parents just don't understand. <laughs> but like I, I knew that they were going to find it really difficult. I was kind of prepared for them to disown me. Like I wasn't sure if they were going to still want to talk to me. And I'd kind of like I prepared myself for that. So like my I, I had like the most organized transition in the world. Like I had everything all timed down so that I was going to come out at work on. How did it go? I was going to come out on Facebook on a Friday night on the day that my name change uh, became legal and then come out of work on the Monday, two weeks before Christmas, and then go back to work after Christmas using my new name and pronouns. So everyone knew what was going on. Like it was all really, really coordinated. And I, I built telling my parents into that. Like they, I called them the night before the, the Friday that I came out yeah. and told them, okay, so I'm going to be changing my name and I'm also going to be changing my gender too. And I know this is very sudden and so on and so forth. And actually, I mean, like my, my mum was a bit kind of, she just gets a bit panicky about things when she doesn't feel like she's prepared. And my dad was quite negative about stuff, which is his general thing. But, you know, they didn't kind of cast me from from the house or whatever. Not that I was actually in the house. I only ever speak to them on the phone most of the time. Well, but still, you you know, don't ever show up around here again kind of thing. Yeah, right? exactly, yeah. exactly. And, uh, and yeah, like afterwards, actually, one of the things my mum said that really hit me was that she... She'd gone away and done a bit of reading about it, which is the way that she does things. Yeah. And, um, you know, she she did want to have a bit of a chat with me about things. But mostly, like, she just wanted to, she wanted to say that she was sorry that I'd been so unhappy. And actually, that really, that really got to me because we don't, we don't, we're not a family that talks about feelings a lot. Yeah. Like, we talk, we talk about events in the world and what other people are doing and talk about how we feel, really. Uh, they're just not, they're not that sort of people. It's, that's who they are. Sure. So, I imagine... It was probably pretty awkward to tell your parents that they probably weren't generally uh, understanding at first, but how are they now? I mean, are they pretty supportive? I mean, are they, uh, one of my previous guests uh, was a mother of a trans girl and she is all about it. And I, I mean, I wish I could high five her. She was, in my opinion, of a mother of a trans person. I couldn't ask for a better mother. In my opinion, she was, con I mean, 100% supportive, but she was very supportive from early on. And she was constantly like, okay, how can I help her deal with this? How can we, I, I wish that most people who are trans can have a mother like her. I mean, she was very understanding. So are your parents, I can imagine, were, were probably pretty confused and maybe a little angry in the beginning, but are they really supportive of you now? they don't talk about it and that's i'm okay with that like they're they're very english they're very they're hard to explain i guess they're very very english people so feelings are embarrassing emotions are embarrassing bodies are embarrassing 
so they 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 genuinely want me to be happy they do and they want they want to know that i'm okay but they don't necessarily like they they don't really want to know about the ins and outs of it all so it it was really awkward having conversations with them about like the medical aspects of transition sure because they wanted to ask me questions because they wanted to know what's happening but they also didn't want to have to discuss discuss body parts at all so it's it's always been a a strange negotiation uh between what's acceptable to talk about and and how much they want to know yeah so these days i mean like we we talk as frequently as we ever did i guess and they 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 use my correct name now like it took my dad quite a long time like he's he's much older like he's an entirely different generation um but he he actually gets my pronouns right sometimes which is impressive yeah. uh, and my my mum makes an effort and i think actually like they they're not vocally emotional people but it's things like I'm pretty sure it's my mum picks out Christmas cards and birthday cards that say things like to a wonderful son. Oh yeah. And I can't like I can't phone her back and say, Do you know what? This actually means the world to me because we don't have those conversations. Oh man, you totally should. I'm I'm a person who when someone does something like that and you want to say I'm the type of person that if I feel something needs to be said, then I just try to my best to say it. And I hate the times where there's some sort of social conformity taboo where you can't tell your mother-in-law something or you can't tell your mom something because they don't and I man those are always those conversations that frustrate me I am the type of person that if I have something to get off my chest I get it off my chest which is so hard for me being an atheist and not being out about it because there are so many people I want to tell because I hate having to hide anything about myself but I'm not prepared yet for the rejection like you said you were kind of ready for them to cut you out of their lives and and tell you that they can't come back. I'm not ready for that yet. I'm not ready for the people who I've known since I was three uh, and I grew up playing football with and stuff like that to tell me I'm some sort of evil person and that they don't want to speak to me anymore and cut me out of their lives. I doubt that that would happen, but I'm not prepared to have that happen yet. And so it's a, it's a risk. Yeah. I'm pretty confident uh, that most of them would be fine with it. They may feel a little weird about it and maybe not agree with my position which is fine but i'm just not ready to risk losing some of my long time close friends and uh over it and so that's why i'm not out about it mm-hmm. so i think the and the thing with my parents is that in, in every other sphere of life there are like i'm polite and i'm respectful but i won't hold back uh if something needs to be said and i'll, I'll find a way of couching it in humor or in conversation that works but when it comes to my parents i know it's been three years uh since i came out and one of the things that i was hoping as a person is that maybe this was finally my opportunity to have a real relationship with my parents like we've never been we, we've never been close um we kind of stopped interacting like a family when I was maybe 13 or 14 and we never really rebuilt that. And when I'm around them, you know, I'm a, I'm a person that's acceptable to them, but there are all sorts of things about my life that they don't know. And that I don't think they'll ever know. Yeah. Okay. Best. I mean, that, I mean, I, I, I think it seems like you're in a, in a, in a manageable place with your family relations right now. Exactly. And exactly. I'm sure you hope it gets I found, better. I found, a, I found a place that works for us and is maintainable and it doesn't leave me upset and vulnerable all the time. And it doesn't leave them kind of worried or, or angry. And it's, it's not ideal, but I think when it comes to families, I mean, you don't get to choose your family. And I think when it comes to families, finding a place that works, even if it's not what you would like it to be, it is sometimes the best you can hope for. Yeah. Okay. 
And so I want to ask a little bit now, because you, if it's okay with you, you said it's kind of awkward to talk to your parents about your transition. And, and yeah. it's, I can imagine talking about that with anybody really is, is probably a little awkward. You, you said earlier you have a chest binder, so I can imagine you haven't done any medical transition at this point, or is that not correct? Uh, the, so medical transition as a term uh, generally covers hormones and surgery. So I'm doing the whole hormones thing. The surgery thing is more of a challenge. Like personally, like one of the first things I wanted to do was get rid of my breasts because I hate those things with a fiery passion and have done for 20 years. Yeah. But at the moment, I'm too heavy to get chest surgery. Don't need to talk about it at length, but I'm working with an eating disorder at the moment which isn't great and complicates things so yeah surgery has to wait chest wise it will happen i'm determined but i need to sort some other things about my life out first sure but interestingly like one of the the great challenges of being trans is what's called trans broken arm syndrome have you come across that i haven't so please tell us about that that's a new so it's a it's an issue that goes on with uh medical practitioners where because you are trans they can't see past your transness so for instance I developed a rash on my face uh, last year and it like it would not go away I could not fix it uh, I grew up with eczema and I know what eczema is like and it wasn't eczema uh, and nothing I did fixed it so I went to uh, to my GP and said okay there's this rash on my face I can't get rid of it and he said hmm well but it could just be acne I said it doesn't look doesn't look like acne really does it uh, and it doesn't feel like acne he said oh well you are on testosterone I said, yeah, yes, yes, I, I am on testosterone, but I don't, like, I don't, I don't have acne. This isn't acne. It's a, it's a rash on my face. And he said, well, have you thought about coming off of the hormones? And like, I, I kept trying to politely steer the conversation back to the fact that coming off the hormones probably wasn't going to help the rash on my face. Yeah. So I get what you're saying. So uh, the, um, the trans broken arm syndrome, I get it. Uh, yeah. So they can't like see you, your... So you, so yeah, like you go to the emergency room with a broken arm and they say, oh, are you sure it's not your hormones? Uh, yeah, it's trans broken arm syndrome. Trying to get some healthcare practitioners, not all of them, some of them are amazing, but a lot of them become very preoccupied with the fact that you are trans and would like to tie everything back to your transness. Right, or they, or they try to tr- tie everything to to the obvious, right? Okay, so I know you're on hormones, right? So they're trying to mm-hmm. make it uh, mm-hmm. relate to something that you're doing, right? And mm-hmm. so I, I see where you're coming from. I, I that's I'm, I'm gonna have to look up more about that. Uh, um, I don't want to go into too much detail into it now, but uh, I can imagine that's a pretty complex and, and... It just slows everything down. It slows yeah. everything down. So trying to get anything non-trans related done just takes twice as long. Yeah. <laughs> it's really frustrating. Yeah, I can imagine. So that's pretty unfortunate. I, I'm, I'm curious now. I'm, I definitely want to learn more about that. So, But as far as your hormone transition, like I said, you have a pretty masculine sounding mm-hmm. voice. So, and you've been on hormones for three years. And um, because of your weight and your eating disorder, you can't have surgery yet, but you do plan on doing that. You said you're determined to make yep. that happen. Yep. Chest surgery will be coming. Okay. And do you plan on doing any sort of sexual reassignment surgery as well? Is that a goal of yours um, also? Or are you fine with your... Original yeah. plumbing? Yeah. Or I, they always call it top <laughs> and bottom, right? And so are yeah, you, yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned that you want to have your top surgery done. And so mm-hmm. I didn't know if you were interested in doing the bottom surgery as well. And it's a, it's a perfectly, it's the question most people ask first because people are very interested in genitals. And I can understand that. Well, and, um, it's, and, and, I'm, and to I'm be never, fair. I'm, like I'm never, yeah, it, it is. It's, it's what we think makes us male and female. Well, not it's just that. We it's, it's a thing, uh, I think, um, as a straight person, 
trying to understand, okay, so how, I think it's more for me when I ask or if, when I was curious and didn't know anything about it, it's like, how does that happen? How do you do that? Not more or less, you know, why or, you know, what the reasons behind it, but okay, so you're a female and you want to be a male. How do they make that happen? What is that like? What is the process? I guess yeah. that's where I come from at it. So when I ask, you know, how does that happen? How do they turn a hole into a pole? Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, uh, I mean, exactly. like, for, like for trans guys, the surgical options are varied and there are kind of like basically there are, there are kind of two major basic sets of procedures. And one's called phalloplasty, uh, where you build uh, like a penis out of a graft from your arm or your leg or another body part. And the other is called, um, I don't even know how it's pronounced, uh, meta-idioplasty, I think. And that's hmm. to do with crafting what you already have into a very kind of you know a petite package um of male looking genitalia um and yeah both of them are both of them work wonderfully for some people neither of them appeal to me um i've spent i think i think as all trans people do at some point or another i've spent a long time on the internet looking at pictures of other people's junk um <laughs> kind of going oh well no yeah it's a bit more hmm, to the left than i'd like hmm. uh, and <laughs> you kind of you end up being a bit kind of like you kind of end up being oversaturated with pictures of penises yeah well then you're like and, well i wonder uh, how big i can get it right like can i get it as long as my forearm or something but, you know like that's <laughs> you know because how hung can you make the dog <laughs> right well because yeah. you know guys are always worried about their penis size and stuff right and it's just, oh yeah it's always this big thing about you know it, oh, is my penis big enough or whatever or you know or you want to feel like it's big enough whatever it is you know that guys oh. feel and so i could imagine that if you were able to have if you could choose right like how big would you choose to have it right and <laughs> i can imagine that you just uh, said yeah, like a cute little package a donkey, and, yeah yeah <laughs> I like, can, can you just cut like, can you just cut the whole arm off and maybe yeah. use that no. <laughs> like you're getting a graft <laughs> just start from the shoulder and graft down yeah. to my wrist how about yeah, that yeah do that i think i think i think one of the one of the things about the whole thing is that the uh at the moment for me and again this is wholly personal yeah. And I fully respect other people's happy, happy transitions with bottom surgery. Sure. But for me, the surgical results are just not what I want. Um, and the like, the, the process is so long. Like for trans girls, generally kind of vaginoplasty is usually one surgery. Like you go in and it's lengthy and it's difficult and the recovery is hell, but it's kind of one surgery. Yeah. Uh, but for trans guys, particularly, if you want the phalloplasty, like the built out of a graft, if you want to be able to pee through it and have an erectile implant put in it and also have testicular implants, like that's a lot of surgeries. Yeah. So it's a it's, it's a, a much more complicated and drawn mm-hmm. out process because you have to go in for mm-hmm. one thing and then they they uh-huh. go to for yeah. another and so on. Yeah. You have one thing and that has to heal. And then you have another thing and that has to heal. And like there are inevitably some complications and some leakage. No one likes the word leakage. Yeah. It's not a good word. Right. Um, yeah. And it's it's a it's a process that I am not willing to go through for the results that are on offer at the moment. Sure. OK. Um, so like as you were saying, like the, the question, like every guy is insecure about his dick size. That's kind <laughs> of a thing. Right. Uh, and ha- And having to negotiate without a dick size at all is a whole it's it's a strange place to be in um, no i can imagine i can i'm, I'm in my head i'm picturing it, like how would it if i had to have this conversation <laughs> with a doctor right like i wanted as huge as my arm doc you know kind of thing <laughs> so i can imagine yeah. it could be yeah. weird yeah 
Yeah, and it's like you know, I read things like I read guys online talking about how like how miserable they are because they're only five foot six and like their like their penis isn't as long as they want it to be. And I'm like, dude, I'm five foot three and I don't physically have a penis. If I can manage this shit, I'm sure you can get it together. Come on, yeah, I come you. on, you can yeah. do this. Well, and I've also learned uh, through conversations and some other podcasts that I listen to that they have trans and gay guests on that. Not every trans person wants their ideal image is to be a person who has a penis. So if you're a trans man, not all of trans men want to go as far as having a penis. Some of them just want to get rid of their breasts and they're fine with their vagina. There's like this happy middle ground where, and so one of the things I've talked to some of the other guests about when they get um, help from a psychological professional um, is discovering um, because it can be tr pretty traumatic, right? So you, it's already traumatic that you're a trans person in the wrong body. And so it can be just as traumatic if you feel some sort of obligation to go further than where you're comfortable. And so there can be sometimes, um, I'm sure it's not a big thing, but I know that it has happened that people who go through with the phalloplasty and they get a penis, they then later regret it because that's not the image they had for themselves and they never really realized it. They just thought that that's what they were supposed to do. And then they regret having that surgery. I've not, I haven't run across that happening all that often. I can, I, I, I imagine across... it's a pretty minor position to be in, but I have I heard particularly... someone bring it up on another podcast. Yeah, I think particularly for the phalloplasty, like it's such a huge process, and I think about everything far too much anyway. So I can't imagine going into it without being like pom poms waving flags overhead, sure about this happening. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. It's it's. I guess a part of the whole question from the very beginning for everyone is, what if I regret it? Yeah. What if I regret it? This is this is permanent. This is forever. Like for me now, like let's say that some terrible brain injury occurred and I no longer wanted to be a guy anymore. Like you know, I I, I love testosterone. Testosterone is amazing and it's my favorite thing in the world. But I've got hairy shoulders now. Like there's no way that I'm I'm going to be able to slot neatly back because that some people are like, well, like couldn't you just couldn't you just like make it work as a girl? Like, couldn't you just do that? Wouldn't that be easier? Like, well, firstly, have you ever tried shaving the backs of your own knees in a lukewarm shower <laughs> in the semi-darkness because your bathroom light's gone out again? <laughs> it's not fun, believe me. Uh, but also, like, once you get past a certain point, there is kind of no going back. Yeah. And I, I think there is so much consideration that has to go into what you're ready to take on. Like, because I mean, none of us know what's going to happen. It's puberty, and puberty does what puberty does. So for me... I, I have no mustache. I have no mustache whatsoever, but I have patches of fur on the backs of my shoulders. Yeah, I can't um, grow facial hair to save my life. I, it grows huh. in all patchy. I feel your pain there, brother, because I can grow like a little bit of chin hair and some sideburns. Yep. And man, I can grow a glorious neck beard, okay? <laughs> like like nerdy gamer living in his mom's uh -huh. basement, like golden, beautiful neck beard, right? Uh, mm -hmm. But my mustache will grow in blonde. My sideburns yep. grow in red and then I have a black neck beard and it's just, so I grow no facial hair, which I constantly shave. So I feel your pain about the facial hair thing. You know, I am a tad bit jealous of those guys who can grow those big, beautiful lumberjack beards. And... Oh my gosh. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's another thing. It's another difficult thing actually about the internet that you, you go there and you dive, you, you drink pictures of other people's transitions you like you swim through this ocean other people's transition pictures and it's only once you've gotten away in yourself that the only people that you realize the only people who show off lots of pictures of their transitions 
are the ones who are really, really, really happy with it. Yeah, and it went really great for them, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, for those of us that are, you know, kind of on the very overweight side and who can't grow a moustache, but who have got, like, Sasquatch forearms. It's amazing. (laughs) Like, yeah, for for most of us, like, trying to... I feel like I I spend a lot of time talking to uh, people online and kind of reassuring them and, and trying to be kind to people and answer questions and, you know, generally make life a bit nicer. But for people that are like, so how long is it? How long will it be till I have a beard? And having to say, look, look, dude, it might be never. I'm really sorry. You have yeah. to be ready for this. Like one of the the big things when you're being prepared for transition, at least in the UK, is that you have a psychiatric assessment, which is more like I I was I was really kind of put off about that. Like I'm not crazy, but talking to uh, the the like my specialist, she said that a large part of it is more making sure that you are robust and prepared for transition. So it's not to weed out the crazies who only think they're trans. It's about making sure that you are in a good state to cope with the rigors of going through gender transition. Sure. That you're, uh, one, men- one, you're mentally strong enough and that you, yeah. know, you won't become crazy because you transition. Exactly. And one of the things that they try and do is is assess what your expectations are, because it's, it is it's really easy to go in thinking, yeah, you know, so in a year when I'm a completely flat chested Adonis uh, and have a six pack and can grow a lumberjack beard that you can hide a chicken in, everything's going to be just great. Of course, a year in, like you're this squeaky voiced kind of weird shaped because the testosterone is really only just kicking in properly and like your arms are really hairy and your knees are really hairy and everything's mismatched and I don't know like going through like marrying up the expectations of transition sure with what actually happens to you yeah. and it's it's hilarious <laughs> it's managing it's, it's managing expectations I understand yeah yeah so uh, I have another question is about so we talked a lot about your gender identity um, so you see yourself as a man and you're transitioning to be live your life as a man. Um, I have two final questions and then we can start wrapping up. One, um, do you plan on ever living your life fully stealth in which you don't disclose to pe- to new people who don't already know that you're a transgender man unless it becomes necessary, whether for some any reason that it would become necessary? And two... Um, as far as your sexual identity, because you see yourself as a man, are you still attracted to women or are you attracted to men? Would you consider yourself homosexual or heterosexual? That's a good question. I'll start with the first one. So when it comes to stealth, it's not it's not a goal for me. Like I'm fully out at work because I transitioned there. Because again, because I'm short and I'm still a bit more girl shaped than I'd like to be, I don't expect to immediately pass. So and I don't know if I ever will. Like I don't know if that's gonna happen. We're gonna have to wait and see. But it's like I don't I don't go out of my way to tell new people. And I think a lot of people say this. Uh, like I, I don't make a point of it. But if it it's difficult as well, because I started so late that there are certain things about my past that make no sense. If you think that I was a man for the whole of my 20s and like a, a part of my journey was like my I, I, I identified as a lesbian for like the better part of kind of 15 years. And that was an important part of who I was. And it was an important part of my, to me of my identity and kind of, yeah having conversations with people about my past without disclosing that I spent a lot of it female would be really hard. Uh, and I, I don't, I like to be very open and I like to be able to have conversations about it. And if I don't feel safe, then I won't disclose it. Uh, safety is always the first and most important thing. Sure. Um, but yeah, I don't see myself ever feeling the need to hide it. Okay. Uh, and as for sexuality, 
it's kind of it's one of those things so i'm i only had big serious relationships with women uh through my teens and 20s but i'd still have kind of the old fling with a guy and i like i identified as lesbian because it was easier than trying to quantify my somewhat complex sexuality to other people because ultimately that gets kind of boring after a while kind of endlessly having the conversation about well you know I kind of like I only fall in love with women, but I do still really enjoy like being with a guy sometimes sure. kind of in a different way. And it's kind of different. And yeah, so I, I, I identified as a lesbian and I had um, monogamous relationships with women. But OK, so you that. might um, you, you could be more fluid with your sexuality. You don't necessarily have to be hetero or homosexual. Right. So you let me ask you this question. Let me put it this way. Um, when you're out and about in public and you see a woman. Right. Do you. For me, like if I see a woman, it's just like, wow, she's attractive. And so uh, I imagine for you, um, does that happen more for a man or more for a woman or equally, you know, would you consider yourself more bisexual? So how do you, when you have that initial sexual attraction, which is try, how do I try to explain it to people is that, you know, this isn't some choice they make. It's just how they feel, mm -hmm. right? That's the reaction when you see someone's beauty, right? So does that happen for both male and female people when you see them outside or is it mostly male or mostly female yeah well, I mean, these days i tend to find i identify as queer if anyone like at work basically uh and pe people that i don't know very well i would describe myself as a straight guy because historically relationships with women and i seem to be more interested in women but an interesting thing i found uh, when i came out and started transitioning like i used to find having intimate relations with guys like it would often leave me feeling kind of a bit upset almost just kind of a bit unsettled and i kind of started making connections once i came out that was in part about the fact that if i was with a man uh when i was still living as a woman then it it, it meant that that was the man and so therefore i had to be the woman and that kind of forced me into an exclusively feminine place i guess in my head and that was really uncomfortable but i didn't understand that that was what was going on basically now that i'm i understand a lot more about what i am and what i like and what my body's doing my relationship and my attraction to men is much less complicated okay so it because it used to be that like I could look at a guy and go, oh, my God, I find you really like, what is this feeling I'm feeling? It's really like you're really, mm, I don't know. And now I can be like, oh, wow, dude, you're hot. But also I would love to have those shoulders. That is amazing. <laughs> uh, nice. Like I kind of I have a much better understanding of my relationship with the male body. Sure. So yeah. I identify like I identify as queer. Um, I seem to mostly fall in love with women. I find like for some reason, particularly very big bearded guys really floats my boat. Couldn't tell you why. Uh, yeah, it's like my, I, I find more women more attractive, Yeah, uh, okay. but I, I find some specific guys really very attractive. Sure. So, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you, I mean, in, in, in a basic term, you could be considered bisexual, but, uh, you have a pretty yeah. fluid sexuality, right? So it just, it yeah. depends individually on who you see and, and who you find attractive, which is perfectly yeah. fine. So well, also I, like I try and veer away from the term bisexual, uh, partially because, like I don't fit easily physically into either male or female. So so saying bisexuals means that, you know, you're attracted to men and women. But for those of us that like whether we like it or not, physically fall in between those two states. It, that's I don't know. Like I'm I'm a bit uncomfortable for me personally uh, with the term bisexual because it excludes sure. me. OK, fair enough. So, so uh, yeah, thanks, Matt. Thanks for being here. Uh, I think we had a great discussion. I learned a lot. You shared some really good information. I appreciate it. We're going to start wrapping up. And uh, I normally ask the guests on the show if they have any organizations that they would like to plug and share with the listeners. Um, they usually refer to any sort of 
uh, pro LGBT groups that they worked with that helped them with their transition or with their sexual identity, whether they were homosexual or, or uh, uh, bisexual or whatever. Um, so do you have any organizations that were helpful to you during your transition that you would like to plug on the show? Yeah, I think um, I don't know how many people from the UK you get, uh, but if you are in the UK or in Europe, then uh, LGBT Youth Scotland is actually an amazing organization that's been going since the, the mid 80s who have a whole wealth of I think a lot of the kind of information that people often struggle to find, like information for parents. If you're struggling with how to tell your parents or, you know, how to talk about transition, they've got some great resources online. And of course, Reddit is actually, uh, while it can be uh, a quite problematic community in places, uh, there are some amazing humans there. Yeah. Uh, some wonderful people and some very supportive people. Uh, and it's always worth exploring the trans subreddits uh, to see what's going on. OK. And um, as far as your personal self, do you have an online personality if someone wanted to reach out and ask you more? Or get in contact with you. Do you have any sort of, you know, I had a previous guest who was a PhD sociologist at the local college here, and so he was a public figure, and so he said, "Yeah, reach me on the on the university website," or you know, so do you, or some people, you know, do online gaming, and so they wanted to share their Twitch stream or whatever. So, do you have any mm -hmm. personal stuff you want to plug, or are you pretty no, much want to keep that I'm private? A, I'm a deeply secretive animal when it comes to my online life. Sure, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, so. Um, again, thanks for being here, Max. We had a, a great talk. It was great getting to know you. I appreciate you sharing uh, some really personal, intimate details about your life. And uh, it was very informative for me. And I just want to say thank you for being here. It was uh, really great. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah. And so I just want to thank everyone out there for listening. As allies, we can make the world a better place for people like Max and other LGBT people. Please consider donating to LGBT organizations uh, like the one Max mentioned. You can always contact me if you have questions or maybe I'm not doing something right or maybe I'm doing something right and you want to tell me I'm doing a good job, which I, I'm always open to hearing. Please email me at major at straightupgaypodcast.com. You can follow me on Twitter at SUG Podcast. Join me on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash straightupgaypodcast. Or you can just go on Facebook and search for Straight Up Gay Podcast. You can listen to the show on iTunes and Google Play. We are in both stores, so if you go on there and search for Straight Up Gay Podcast, I'm pretty sure we're the only one that should come up. Um, the show is listen. You can listen and stream it on the web at Pinecast.com. I used to host it on SoundCloud. It's no longer being hosted there. It's only on Pinecast. So if you go to Pinecast.com, you can listen to the show over the web on your computer. Max told me earlier that he was having trouble listening to some of the shows. It might be an, a UK thing. It might be some sort of proxy filter thing. But if please, if anyone out there is having trouble getting the latest episodes or any episodes at all, please let me know and I'll see what I can do. Maybe I can start uploading back on SoundCloud, at least for the latest episode. I don't know. But uh, if you are having a problem listening to the show or if anyone else you know is having a problem, please email me, contact me in any way and let me know. I just want to make sure that anyone who wants to listen to the show can listen to the show. So that's about it. And I will see you guys on episode 12. My mother knew I wasn't straight She didn't understand but she had so much to say She sat me on the couch, looked me straight in my face and said You'll burn in hell or probably die of AIDS It's funny now but at 13 it was pain To be almost sure of who you are and have it ripped away And I'm sorry if it's too real for some of you to fathom But hate for who you love is not exactly what you'd imagine uh, 
And I guess it was disastrous Cause everything that happened afterwards was just madness Locked away for two years to keep me on the inside Because she'd rather see a part of me die than me thrive And it's tougher when it's something you can't deny And ignorance teaches us it's something that you decide You're driven by your choices, an optical illusion Here's to understanding that it's not always confusion And I can't change Even if I tried Even if I wanted to I've seen innocent children suffer beneath bruises Suffer beneath every single hand that chooses Ignorance, fuck your religion Fuck constitutions, fuck superstitions There are no lakes of fire for here on earth And the only thing to do is put love first And so I stand for the boy who died by his hand To the sound of his father screaming woman loves man This is Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve And I stand for the girl with the cuts up her sleeve And a heart in her hand and that chip on her shoulder And I stand for it all until ignorance is over This is for you, for knowing who you are For never letting your magic outside of your heart Be you, be brave And understand that things do change I accept you for you when I don't understand And I love you for you, cause this is who I am didn't understand now love me for me this is who I am Just don't get it. Love is love. There is no difference. Not a medication to fix it. There is no prescription. No rehab to visit. It is not an addiction. It's love. And it's selfless. It's yours and everybody else's. So don't badger and abuse the solemnly defenseless. See us as yourself. There's no equality and difference. Until we all get it, we'll be drowning in the same blood. Despite orientation, we all feel the same love. Be drowning in the same blood despite orientation we all feel the same love Keeps me warm. She keeps me.
We are boxed in and labeled before we're ever able to speak who we believe we are or who we dream will become like drum beats forever changing their rhythm. I am living today as someone I had not yet become yesterday. And tonight I'll only borrow pieces of who I am today to carry with me to tomorrow. No, I'm not gay. No, I'm not straight. And I sure as hell am not bisexual. Damn it, I am whoever I am when I am it. Loving whoever you are when the stars shine and whoever you'll be when the sun rises. So here's to being able, here's to love, here's to loving just because, here's to acceptance, here's to never fearing the fear of rejection, here's to love and never neglecting who it is you feel you are. Here's to bullies because beatings cannot last forever Here's to the moment that you realize things do get better Here's to the parents who will get it when it's too late Here's to second chances, here's to new fate Here's to every single moment you've ever had to hide you Here's to the single star shining bright inside you Asking you to guide you Here's to who you'll be when you've figured it all out Here's to momentary doubt Here's to feeling, because we all feel it the same. Here is to the moment that things will change. Because we all feel love, we all feel it the same. Here's to love, here's to change.